Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The economy is what we're all focused on. And is the economy in the United States on the brink of recession? Some say yes, some say maybe, some say no. It's always great when you can narrow it down, eh? Yes, maybe, and no. Pick one. And uh, Mr. Biden says there's room for optimism, and that's because there's a midterm election coming up, and the Democrats don't want to be wiped out of Congress. Is the U.S. entering recession after second quarter figures show the economy shrinking? That's one question. Another one is, is this the time, this is for you, is this the time to stay in the stock market or time to bail out of the market? Should that decision have been taken some time ago? Is the Canadian federal government, this is one I love to ask our next guest, is the Canadian federal government performing responsibly to safeguard Canada's economy? And how do we assess inflation and interest rates now? Also, one other question. I'm going through all these questions for my next guest. Is there a historical precedent for the time we're experiencing now? My next guest is someone I always enjoy speaking to. I've always gotten straight answers from him, very thoughtful answers and useful answers. Tom Caldwell is the chairman of Caldwell Securities. That's caldwellsecurities.com. Tom, thank you for coming on the program. Okay, yes, maybe or no. Well, you can't pay too much for that kind of answer, can can you? It is inconvenient for governments to advise that they're going into recession, particularly, as you said earlier, when an election's coming up. It's all semantics at this point in time. At the present time, the economy in both U.S. and Canada are doing fairly well. The trilogy is uh, inflation, interest rates, recession. The, The feeling is that inflation is so high, central banks will raise rates to a degree that will shut down the economy. That's not necessarily a straight line through. As far as I'm concerned, economy's doing well. Economies are always adjusting. You're seeing adjustments in the big tech companies, etc. Their growth is, you know, they've been strong growth companies. Now they're monster companies. It's harder to grow when you're a monster company. So you're seeing adjustments going on. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, if we, if we go back to the inflation side, uh, inflation generally cures itself over time. People stop spending or don't have the money to spend. It's like housing prices in Toronto, although you do have a, a large uh, influx of new people in Toronto. Sooner or later, the prices level off. The second part of that is when governments get involved, the correction is usually already underway. Uh, central banks are not a panacea in terms of interest rates because remember that much of this inflation is government policy inspired with printing lots of money, spending lots of money, and curtailing supply and increasing the cost of energy, etc. So uh, a recession, there's no guarantee we're going to have a recession or not. We're going to have periods of slowdown and readjustment in the economy. But I don't think necessarily a recession is in the, on the books, period. I have to ask you, and this was initially lower down on my list of questions, but I have to move it up. And that is the stewardship of the, the economy by the current federal government. And I will always ask you about the government that's in place for the day. What about this particular government run by Mr. Trudeau and his carbon tax, his uh, approach toward oil and gas, his now uh, uh, need to get farmers to reduce um, emissions from fertilizer? I understand you, you can't separate separate the two yet. Anyway, what do you make of the of the of the job that Mr. Trudeau and his government are doing stewarding our economy? Well, I think 
Roy, you used a misnomer here. You used the word government. We don't have government. We have we have photo ops. We have uh, uh, addressing pressure groups, politically correct policies at a given moment in time. There's no overall policy. The the prime minister and and the PMO's office, which is really the one running the country, are fixated on climate change, meeting the Paris Accords, and they are prepared to sacrifice the economy, regions of the economy, to meet some nebulous goal. So somehow he can, you know, have a some recognition. He has recognition already internationally, and everybody thinks he's he's a joke. Canadians are divided into basically two groups: those who think the prime minister is an embarrassment and those who think he's not, and, that, and that's it. But there, it, there has been no policy addressing an economy at all. If you're concerned about um, inflation, uh, this carbon tax, every, every homeowner is paying roughly $50 a month on a carbon tax because as Canadians, we like to stay warm in the winter. Uh, if you want to help Canadians, get rid of that thing. Similarly, look at the taxes you pay on, on, on energy, gasoline, etc. You can reduce that if you want, but at no time... Are they considering anything to ameliorate the pain of this inflation in any substantive way? You haven't seen anything come out of that whatsoever. Uh, but we really do, at some point in time, need to have government by grown-ups. That is where we say, okay, where do we want to where do we want to go as an economy? What are our strong points? How can we build? How can we create jobs? How can we create opportunities for young people? That's what we have to be dealing with. But right now, we, we're in a, a sort of a hiatus of of uh, coming off COVID, and there's always a ripple effect to something so cataclysmic as that. We're still working through the ripple effect. People can't get employees. A lot of people don't want to come back to work, etc. Um, when it comes to Mr. Trudeau's preoccupation with climate and climate change and doing anything that he, uh, he feels he has to do or can do or is empowered to do to create the, uh, the approach to the goals, reaching the goals they've set, Along with his uh, his environment minister uh, Stephen Jilbo, who now wants us to eat with our hands instead of knives and forks, plastic knives and forks, and I tweeted yesterday, and remember, of course, to wipe your mouth with the back of the same hand. You might as well be as as uh, you know user friendly as you can be. When it comes to this kind of situation that we're facing with this government, how much of a negative factor is that? For people who, in, for investors in Canada, how much of a negative is, is, is this government for international investors? Well, when we talked about economic growth, Canada is going to have problems because we have not had policies, but the, the, the you know economic or growth policy type of thing. The, 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 the government really is not a government. They're, they're, they're just trying to cope with what they think is going to buy them votes the next time around. He's cemented his position with the millionaire socialists over at the NDP, so each of them can stick around long enough to get pensions. But I think Canadians are, number one, uh, very much annoyed at government. And I, I can't speak for Canada. It's presumptuous on my part. But I do think a lot of the people I chat with are just so fed up. It's just considered an embarrassment. But there's another factor that's coming in here, and that's a sense of, of anxiety and stress. We are losing freedoms big time. I mean, Canadians protest, as in the trucker thing sort of thing, which overall was a pretty peaceful thing. People are jailed bank accounts. This, this, this government is taking a page out of tyrannical regimes, and it's injecting it into Canada. But continually we're bombarded to what, what we must think, what we must believe, what we can say, what we can't say. This curtailment of freedom, and, and basically the government is responsible for that. And there's a sense of unease, I think, with many people, 
that we are losing our freedom of choice. We, there's this sense of oppression over us that, that, that is concerning. And, and that comes from, well, we don't have government. We, 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 I, don't think, I don't think Mr. True really is mentally capable to govern anything. He's, he was picked because of his name, but he's a hologram. I think he's run by the prime minister's office. And listen, I would like to think, well, I, I started life as a liberal. You know, I would like to think we could have really good government and a big tent. He shrunk the tent and the liberal party, everything. So I, my concern is people look at Canada as a rather a joke. Uh, in the G7 or any of these, you know, nobody even talks to the man. We, we are, when, remember the, the campaign slogan, Canada's back? No, no, we're not back yes. at all. We're further out in the lobby kind of thing. So, no, we're not seen as a serious destination. One of the things I've noticed, and I tweeted this, and I mentioned it the last time it happened, when I talked to international reporters on this program who were, in this case, who was following Trudeau in in Europe, and I asked them a question about the seriousness with which Mr. Trudeau has dealt, there's always a pause and there's a little chuckle, and then they remember their professionals, <laughs> and they start to answer questions. Tom, I'm going to take a break in a second, and then I want to ask you about the markets and investing. How, how do people take care of what they have left? But I have to ask you this, because I tweeted it out the other day as well, or yesterday. I always appreciate speaking with you, because you've always given me very straight answers very quickly. And one day, years ago, I asked you this question. I'll ask it again. Would you hire for your company any of the members of parliament in the current building. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> we have a very competent staff in our mailroom that transcend the power of our federal government. I couldn't see them in any kind of a job. This is this is why they want to stay in place because nobody else is going to hire these guys or gals. That was roughly that was roughly the answer I got last time. <laughs> Well, I, I don't like to say that. I'd like to no, say, I understand. Oh, these are really good people. I would, you know, I want to think on the positive side. I don't want to be a negative guy about these people. But you know, sooner or later, somebody's got to show some thinking, yeah. bigger thinking than we're getting. Tom, there's a there's a lot of talk about, a lot of writing about, a lot of questions about the market. Is this the time to be in the market? Is the time to get out of the market? Is this something should have been decided a long time ago? You can't make the decision now. You can't make the decision as you're turning your head on your pillow. Um, what should I do with the money? Where should I place it? Should I place it with, with one person? Should I place it with the, in a diversified fund? What's the answer? Sorry to make the question so complicated. Well, there are a couple points to consider. First off, when it comes to investing, the biggest liability all investors face is emotions. More money is lost because of emotions, greed and fear, than anything else. Forget analysis and decision-making. Your emotions, if they're cluttering your thinking, and any business transaction, you're going to have a problem. So first off, quell your emotions. Second, recognize the fact that the job of the mainstream media is to create bargains for the rest of us. So I, um, I, I, get, I get in trouble using this phrase, but I like to consider myself a garbage man. I like it when there's crisis. I like it when everybody's negative, because that's where the bargains live. And I trade typically the big cap stocks. So for me to create value, I have to get them during crisis periods. Uh, I'm long this market. Um, our performance, in fact, you know, I can talk about individual stocks, but I, one of the companies I do manage where I have discretion on is a company called Urbanic corporation urbanacorp.com and that tells you every week what i own in that particular company what i'm following my focus there has been in the energy area because part of my job is betting against governments this is generally a safe bet 
So when they decide they're going to curtail oil supplies and cut investment, then that means I have to go and own the oils because that's going to drive the price up, which is exactly what has happened. And I think in Urbana we added something like $30 million in gains just on, just on that one trade. The other is financial services. I, I own a lot of the U.S. banks. I don't know much of the Canadian banks, but they're still, I think they're fairly good value here as well. But the market is not a homogeneous thing. We've seen a pullback in these big tech stocks. I mean, for example, I like the business model of, say, Shopify, and you see it came down a bit. I don't own any stock in that, but it's still 100 or 200 times earnings. That's too expensive for me. So you just have to go. But you look at a company like Stelco, and I'm not necessarily picking that as a as a buy rate. Well, it probably is. It trades at two times next year's earnings. Two times earnings. So there are lots of bargains within the market environment. But don't don't take. Oh my gosh, the world is ending. Listen, the present is always uncertain. You're all when you get the certainty, it's priced in the market. You want uncertainty, and that's where you got to stay cool and stay calm and go against the flow. It's hard for people to do because most people want to buy high and they want to sell low when their friends are doing the same thing. You've got to go counter to that. That's why that's basically why there's more poor people than rich people. You've got to think against the trend. So uh, am I in the market? Yes. Am I pretty well fully invested? Yes. I'd like to buy some more stuff here. Yes. Okay. Uh, when we look at the world today and the great uncertainty that exists, the, the war in Ukraine, and uh, the, the energy crisis in Europe, we have the former head of energy security for France telling us that great guest on this program joins us quite frequently. He's talking about his concern about uh, blackouts in Europe this winter simply because the Europeans have done such a miserable job in dealing with their energy issues. When, we, when you look at that, when you look at the uncertainty in the world, how does that affect your thinking and your planning? Because it affects a lot of people's ability to eat and sleep. Well... First off, we've got to recognize mistakes we've made. For example, LNG, liquid natural gas, we should have plants in the Maritimes and in British Columbia, and it's been stopped by either indigenous groups in the e- on the West Coast and Quebec on the East Coast. But we should be supplying the world with that. We should be monstered money generators doing that, but we're still talking about it 25 years later. But the point is we are where we are. My focus on investments is still, at the present time, North America. There's lots of really smart people, lots of great ideas, lots of innovation. Now, remember, the world divides between East and West now, and the East is getting more powerful. The East is uh, China, um, Russia, um, etc., and it's dominated by tyrants, like it or not, whereas the West seems to be governed by morons. And generally, the tyrants win early on in the game. But the thing with the, with the West is sooner or later we get it right, whether it be governments, uh, whether it be policies, sooner or later we get it right. And, and you, you know, as a student of history, you can look at uh, the beginnings of World War II, exactly the same sort of scenario. So for me, I invest primarily in North America, even though the East, the Eastern Bloc, and they want to get away of U.S. dollars, they want to have their own one belt, one road, uniting Eurasia. This is monster trading blocks they're creating. But at the present time, I would rather be in the North American environment. Lots of things we can do, and I know America's tearing itself apart and, and, and we basically have absentee landlords as governments, but this will get better. This will improve. So that's where I want to stay. In about 45 seconds, that's what we have left. Are you optimistic about this country's future? There's such a, a huge, particularly east-west divide. It used to be linguistic. It used to be Quebec against the rest of the country, but now it seems to be more east-west. Are you optimistic? The real solution to that is, is mature, realistic governments, not ideologues trapped in a mindset. And am I optimistic? 
you know, I've uh, our foundation just paid to have a, to, or we're paying to put a big Canadian flag up here at Queens Royal Park in, in Niagara-on-the-Lake. I'm so proud of doing that. I'm a very optimistic Canadian. We we won the lottery being born in this country. It's a wonderful country. Yeah, the winters are ratty. And, and uh, you know, I think maybe it's a healthy move that we don't consider our governments too seriously. Uh, maybe that's positive. You know, it should cut down on some of the angst you have to go through. You've got you to see Ottawa as a sense of, with a sense of humor. But am I optimistic? Absolutely. It's the people. It's the Canadians. It's Canada I'm optimistic about. Not about the governments. They're a... They're a, a, a and whatever people fill in your own word, they're, they're just an irritation and, and they think they're serious about what they're doing. Nobody considers them seriously. They're a joke. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.